Welcome to the Supremely Intercontinental Puckcast, a podcast about fake little hockey guys. I'm your host, Ian Constable, GM of the Banff Rockies. Nerd! All right, we have a great podcast for you tonight, everybody. Uh, Chris Fekete, uh, GM of the Hamilton Steelhawks, will join us to talk all things Hamilton, as well as... Later on, we will talk in overtime with Gary Graves, GM of the Boston Colonials, about this year's SICHL Cup Finals between the Nova Scotia Schooners and the Havana Revolution. All right, let's get started right away with Chris Fekete, GM of the Hamilton Steelhawks. Back the other way is Young Drysdale. Drysdale shoots, scores! All over! Oh boy, can that kid fly! Tiki, and I hope I'm saying that right. I'm gonna. That's gonna be my first question for you. But uh, the GM of the Hamilton Steelhawks, Chris, how are you doing today? Good, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent, thanks. Uh, all right. Well, I, I'm just gonna get started right started with it. Um, how in the heck do you pronounce that last name, of yours? All right. So you sort of you butchered it, but you didn't butcher it. You got the <laughs> second and the third syllable mixed up. Okay. So my last name is pronounced Fekete. So if you say it really fast, it's Fekete. So okay. it's almost like when you're cheering for a team like Go Knights Go or Go Habs Go, or for anyone that watches wrestling or watched wrestling when the New Day claps, New Day rocks, you can sort of remember, okay, that's how it's pronounced, like Fekete. Fekete. Yeah. yeah. All right, perfect. I know there were a number of GMs in the league that wanted to know that. Um, and, uh, and boy, throwing out the wrestling references, uh, Bryce Crittenden, uh, GM of the Vancouver Vipers, will be extremely happy with that. So that's perfect. All right. So where are you from, Chris? Uh, so I was born in the same city as Colorado Avalanche Hall of Famer and current GM Joe Sackick, uh, which was Burnaby, uh, British Columbia. Um, and then... In 1992, so pretty much when I was three years old, I moved to Surrey, and I've lived here ever since. Oh, fantastic. Now, I know there's a number of other uh, Vancouver area GMs, so uh, have, you had a, I, have you had a chance to uh, actually meet any of them? Uh, no, unfortunately I haven't, but um, if they do end up going... Uh, to the summit, which I know is something you're probably going to ask a yeah. little bit later, then I'm yeah. sure I'll probably end up meeting uh, a few of them. Perfect. I know I know this past, well, you know, for everybody for this past year, um, nobody's been meeting anyone really. Um, so, so yeah, I know that that's something that we'll all be looking forward to. And you're, you're a relatively new GM in the league. So, uh, not much of a chance before that uh, even to to meet uh, those those uh, area GMs. But I know that lots of people will be looking forward to meeting you. Um, any previous sim hockey experience? So I've been in quite a bit of uh, hockey leagues, uh, some that didn't get off the ground and pretty much like defaulted right away. Uh, mm-hmm. There were some that were inactive and closed down. And uh, there were a few that were okay, but they had the same number of GMs that were active. And it seemed like I was talking to the same four, five, six GMs. And it just 
it didn't make it fun when you don't have a lot of activity. Uh, but in total, I've been doing this for six years and come August, it'll be seven. So even though I'm relatively new uh, to this league, I've got a lot of hockey experience. Absolutely. That's that's fantastic. Um, you do seem really knowledgeable in prospects and uh, hockey in general. So I guess what's your background and uh, where did you come to learn as much as you do know? Uh, well, I, I appreciate the compliment, but uh, compared to guys like Guy, uh, Dustin, uh, yourself and a few others, I don't know like half the knowledge as you guys. Um, I pretty much just do a lot of research, a lot of reading up, a lot of hours that I, I put into it to get to the knowledge that I pretty much know. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much explains it. I just do a lot of reading, a lot of research. It shows, I'm sure, in the uh, draft as well with the prospects that I bring in and stuff. Absolutely. Uh, did you play? Did you grow up playing? Or And if you did, do you still play? Uh, no, I've never played ice hockey. I played ball hockey here and there. Um, okay. But my my skating ability is like non-existent. Uh, <laughs> if someone's in my way, I can't stop. So you're pretty much getting run over. <laughs> that's that's not always a bad thing right we all we need the we need some of those enforcers and and guys that'll put people through the walls uh on the team too but uh but i'm glad uh i'm glad you're in this and uh and ball hockey is a great sport itself i, I like to play ball hockey too so that's a lot of fun uh how much uh how much hockey do you watch do you watch a lot is a, a general interest and if so what's your uh, favorite leagues of course Probably uh, the Nahal, the that other league. Uh, do you watch any AHL, college, CHL? Uh, so I mostly just watch NHL. Um, I don't watch any AHL or uh, BCHL. I used to attend uh, three to four Vancouver Giants games a year. Mm. Um, but sort of, obviously, with the pandemic, that sort mm. of killed any chances of seeing that. Um, the atmosphere is a lot different, obviously, because you only have like 4,000, 5,000 fans at the most. So when I'm there, when the game's close so the Giants are winning or something, the crowd's really loud, but otherwise you could hear a pin drop in the arena. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because it, it can be entertaining at times, but... I, I guess it's just a hit or miss. Do they play at uh, at the same uh, stadium as um, as the Canucks do? Uh, no. So the Vancouver Giants used to play downtown at the Pacific Coliseum. Okay. The old, the old now, arena. Right. Yeah, really old arena. It was, <laughs> every time someone goes up and down the steps, you just hear it creaking. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but then they moved to Langley. I want to say, oh, God, like six or seven years ago. It might be longer than that, but I think it was six or seven years ago. So they now play at the Langley Event Center. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll be able to get back to those WHL games uh, next year in person, right? They're, they're a lot of fun. Um, hopefully that I, would be nice. Yeah, I really enjoy going to the Oil Kings here myself. Um, and... Uh, and back in the day, uh, the uh, well, way back in the day, the Calgary Wranglers, um, and then, and of course, the Calgary Hitmen 
more recently, but uh, but now that I live in Edmonton, uh, the Oil Kings. So yeah, I know going to those uh, Vancouver Giants games are a, are a lot of fun, right? Uh, so you went you, with your team, the Hamilton Steelhawks. You went real hard with the with the teardown and rebuild. Uh, when you when you took over that team, did you not think that roster could be fixed or compete, or did you really just want to make it your own? Well, I I was looking back uh, about a year or so ago, and at that time, my two prolific scores were Mike Hoffman and Jake DeBrusque. Um, mm-hmm. I had secondary guys like Marcus Johansson. Uh, I had Pominville with. God, that's dreadful. Uh, Erickson, uh, Don has no comment about Erickson. Uh, <laughs> Reader, Rowney, but they're really just third, fourth liners. Um, mm-hmm. On defense, I had Suter, Montour, and Mete. And Kelfoot was sort of my number seven, number eight that was in my pipeline moving up. Right. And then I think I had Carter Hutton and Nett, but. At that stage, I felt like I wasn't going to be winning with this team. And I didn't feel it was a playoff team and felt like it was best to probably end up rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was the first year that I was here and I saw some of the salaries of these free agents we were receiving, uh, I honestly thought I was going to pop a blood vessel because <laughs> I see some of the money's going on like 30 million, 20 million. 15 million for like a third liner and i'm thinking to myself like what the hell is going on here like what did i sign up sign up to like like i was at a loss i'm like am i gonna have to spend 80 million dollars to have a competitive team here right um so right now like my team might be below average or mediocre like probably bottom five but i feel like in three years, I'm probably going to be a team that's going to be feared. Um, just to give you an analogy, um, the, Mil- the Milwaukee Bucks have a slogan of fear the deer. Well, mine's going to be unlock the hawk because I'll be flying high and nobody's going to be able to stop me. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's a great slogan. Now, that will be fantastic. And boy, you sure do have some incredible prospects coming along, uh, building from the defense, the defense out. Um, that's always a recipe for success. So, uh, looking forward to seeing what this team will do. Uh, how did you find out about, uh, about the C- uh, SICHL? Uh, honestly, I can't remember if, um, a GM had told me about it or if I ended up finding it on the, um, STHS forums. Okay. Uh, honestly, I, ca- I can't even remember, but it was one of those two. Okay. All right. And uh, what what impresses you most about the SICHL so far? Uh, there's actually a few things. So first, you've got uh, a commissioner um, and a co-commissioner that keep the league informed, and they go out of their way to make the league the top-notch standard of all sim leagues. Um, you've got a great group of GMs who are great to talk to, and they're all acknowledge they're all knowledgeable. Uh, to an extent, but I don't want to pump up too many guys' tires. <laughs> and finally, like the setup of the site and just being a part of not only a league, but a family, that's like the icing on the cake. Like it just, we're one big 
dysfunctional family, but it's just a great atmosphere. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Fantastic. Really a great way to put it. Absolutely. Um, all right. So uh, you've been in the league now, what, two years, I think. So what, what's been your biggest challenge so far in the league, would you say? Uh, biggest challenge has to be uh, sticking to my plan because I'm such a competitive person. Uh, I, I hate losing. Even when I used to play video games at a younger age, like if I lost consistently or I was having a shutout and then it got ruined, I, I'd get upset about it. But um, as I got older and wiser, I knew that it was just a game. But as it pertains to the uh, SICHL, I know I'm going to lose a lot because my current roster doesn't match up to a lot of others' teams. But um, I just try not to let it discourage me from my plan and just continuing to build a solid foundation that I've got going in Hamilton. Well, that's a great answer. Absolutely. All right. Um, are you attending the next summit? We talked a little bit about it earlier. It sounds, sounds a positive there. Yeah. Uh, so as of right now, I definitely will be barring any unforeseen circumstances. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's everybody right now, right? The, barring those unforeseen circumstances is right. And uh, everybody's keeping their fingers crossed. And I think it's looking good right now. I can't, I'm Personally, I can't wait either. So, uh, okay, two years in, uh, two years into operating the Steelhawks. Are you pleased where the team is at? Uh, well, right now, if you look at the current roster, like the short term and the long term, short term, I'm not too pleased at my roster. I've got a lot of uh, holes to fill, especially uh, forward-wise. Uh, defensively, I, I could use probably another four or five top four D-men. And goaltending is a hot mess. Uh, but the future looks really bright. And I just have to keep looking ahead to that and just making this team better for years to come. It's going to be... Short-term pain, but long-term gain. Absolutely, uh, and you, you're building the building the bank, which is good. And I'm looking over the this roster, lots of like we like we said, lots of uh, lots of talent coming up, and uh, a lot of draft picks. I'm gonna start talking a little bit about those draft picks. Um, so, if you win the lottery. Do you take the pretty much consensus pick in uh, this year in power, uh, given that you? But given that you have a sol pretty solid group of D prospects, uh, do you pick a different player? Maybe try to move back. What What are your thoughts there going into this draft? Well, whoever asked this question, it's a it's a really good question because I've definitely been thinking a lot about the draft and the draft lottery and what could happen because. Right now, I can pick anywhere from first overall to sixth overall, if, mm -hmm. if my calculations are correct. Right. Um, but I've always felt like you have to draft the best player available, regardless of your prospect's depth. So if, let's say, for example, I've got three top pair demon, and I end up getting the number one pick, and Owen Power is sounding like the consensus number one, then I, I have to pick them. Like okay. if this yeah. draft was deeper or something, 
maybe you consider trading back, but staying in the top five. But I, I'm not too impressed with this draft when it comes to the top tier guys. Um, I feel like you've got a top two. Um, then you've got a second tier of about three to four guys. And then there's like a third tier of four to five guys. And then after that, it's pretty much, I don't want to say like flip a coin, but you're, unless you do a lot and a lot of research, um, who knows? Like you could have a guy that you like that gets picked 15th overall uh, in the draft. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't go in the other league till like 45th or 50th. So right. it, it's really just, it's all depends on how you have your rankings. Yeah, it's completely opposite to last year, isn't it? Like last year, I mean, a lot of us were saying that basically the top 20 guys, especially from say like, uh, you know, eight, nine, 10 on, just went uh, just went kind of in order of like exactly where we had him and there was no hey right on this guy fell to me it's like oh man oh no oh no it kind of went like that whereas this year it there's really uh, like you said it's uh, you know you can get you might be able to get your guy that's uh, that you have ranked 11th at rank at number 30 kind of this year kind of thing right yeah it, it's it's almost like a crapshoot draft mm -hmm. you, you, you don't know what's gonna happen yeah. Yeah, it's the toughest one that I've seen for sure. Uh, to, to to put a uh, to say, okay, this guy's going here, this guy's going here for sure. This is this is a tough one, but it's also you have lots of gems in there that uh, that you can be picking up. So, and it, with all those picks that you have, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, okay. So, do you have a rebuild plan, or are you th taking things draft to draft? Uh, so. I, I pretty much have a rebuild plan, but um, sometimes heading into a certain draft, like maybe even this year's draft, um, you sometimes consider, okay, maybe trading back to pick up an extra pick mm -hmm. or what I did uh, last year, which sort of bit me uh, in the rear was I traded the Ottawa Slammers first, which ended up being the 19th overall pick. I traded it to, uh, mark for his first round pick this year which is probably going to end up being i think 25th overall mm -hmm. um which is sort of a kicker because i was sort of hoping that it was going to be a top 10 pick uh i was hoping that his goaltending was gonna hurt him and vasilevsky would miss time and then he would just fall apart but <laughs> i don't know mark, mark just figures out a way that and his team is scary enough as is yeah uh, and with vasilevsky and net it's I, I i don't know uh i think you ended up knocking him out in the playoffs yeah he, i was i thought i was going down to him for sure and i i really like that fredrickson team and and, and looking forward to talking about the teams that are looking great moving forward that was that's a really scary team in in fredrickson so uh, yeah, that's hey, and that's the way it goes sometimes, right? You 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 make those trades thinking, all right, here this can happen, and and it goes uh, goes completely the other way on you. And sometimes it's the other way. You're thinking, okay, um, I got this, and that's okay. And then all of a sudden it becomes fantastic, and you're like, and when you're not expecting it to be that good. So 
uh, can go either way. With that 19th overall pick, he picked I, he picked right in front of me. I really wish I could have traded for that pick. <laughs> but uh, he picked Connor, Connor Zeri, who I really wanted there um, at uh, at 20. Um, say la vie, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, move. Yeah. Uh, moving on. How many draft picks are enough? How many do you have this year? I'm just going to look over here. Uh, you have a lot of picks, and not just a lot of picks. They're all in the first four rounds. Like you have one, two, three firsts, um, two seconds, what, four, five thirds, something like that. How many picks are enough? Well, with uh, draft picks, I, I don't think uh, it's kind of hard to say because, as I was saying, like when I analyze the draft board and and my list and see who I've got. Um, sometimes if I don't like what I see, if there's, let's say, a guy that I feel I've got ranked lower than where I'm at, maybe I decide, you mm. know what, I think this guy's still going to be here five, six picks down the road. Maybe I'll trade back right? and maybe pick up an additional pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's people willing to, uh, there, there's definitely people willing to move up all the time. So, so that's a good strategy. You can get you can get some extra stuff out of that for sure. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I also like like last season I trade out completely. So I traded a first round last year for a first round this year. Hence mm-hmm. why I've got three first this year. Right. Um. But usually. And, and, the... Sorry, go ahead, sir. No, no. You go ahead. Uh, um. Sometimes I'm I'm more of the person where it's quality over quantity yeah. but i i see some gms that have like 12 13 14 draft picks and out of that they draft maybe 10 guys and out of this those 10 guys three of them are like solid guys but then they find two or three guys in that fourth fifth sixth round that end up blossoming and go wow that's a great value pick um mm-hmm. one guy that comes to mind um that was drafted last year was uh, Victor Person. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Yeah. But I think he was a sixth round pick in the SICHL. And it sounds like he's a guy that could be a number four, number five defenseman in three or four years' time. Absolutely. Victor Person, a great pick. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was Boston, uh, the Colonials that picked him. But I'm going to check out. I'm going to, oops. Uh, I'm gonna take a look here and see if I can find them here as we're as we're talking. In the meantime, uh, I'm going to move on. Uh, so you make a lot of trades. Is it true that you made four deals while you were asleep last season, and also that you traded Ryan, your pet cat, for a third in 2023? Well, I, I'm pretty sure the person who uh, asked this question, but uh, I don't think I made four de- uh, four trades while I was asleep. I probably made a couple for sure. Uh, but I, I learned my lesson. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, as for a pet cat named Ryan, uh, I no, I don't think that, uh, is true. That's pretty much news to me, but, uh, <laughs> I'll go along with it. Um, just I like, I traded a skateboard and, and, uh, some leftover bread for like a second round pick. Uh, I, I traded some old pair of socks for a fourth rounder, which then I flipped to get a new entertainment system. So, you know, I'll just, <laughs> that works for me. Fantastic. That is awesome. All right. 
Have you ever gone a week without a trade in the SICHL? That's funny you ask that because I actually was looking at all the transactions that I made and I was listening to a uh, older podcast uh, saying that I had made a total of 47 trades <laughs> and I was looking at it. I'm going, oh my God, I made 47 trades. Like what's wrong with me kind of thing. Um, and was looking at the timeline of some of them. And I actually went a month without doing a trade. And it was from January 31st to March 3rd. I, I did not make one single trade, but I was making so many trade calls and stuff. It would probably blow your mind. <laughs> um, but March 4th, I ended up trading John Gillies uh, to Don and the uh, White Horse Huskies because he was needing another goalie because I think he was running into goalie injury trouble. Yeah. And I ended up uh, getting a fifth round pick in the 22 draft for him. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that uh, leads perfectly into my next question here. You throw out a lot of offers out there, maybe the most in the league. Uh, any idea of the percent of the trades that you that you uh, throw out there offer uh, that gain traction, that, that really get some talk started? I would probably say between... Uh, five to ten percent uh okay. a lot of a lot of the times that i i make offers they get rejected right away or uh a guy like eric will be like no way i want 15 million dollars cash and we can discuss <laughs> <laughs> but honestly like i enjoy like every conversation i have with all the gms and it's it's just great going back and forth and sometimes the gms are like no, I'm I'm not going to trade this player or no, you. I want to look at minimum this and I'm sort of turned off. I'm like, yeah, that's too steep for my liking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, uh, and you, that's, that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, just having those conversations, it's so much fun having those conversations with, uh, with people that just love the same things, right? The, the love fantasy hockey, love sim hockey. Um, but I know I can get my hopes up when I make an offer and it can be tough if it's immediately rejected. Uh, you seem to keep a really positive attitude always. Uh, is that tough uh, with the number of offers that do get shot down in this league or in any league, really? Uh, yeah, it's tough. Like having a lot of offers shut down, it, it happens, but I just try to keep a positive outlook and attitude and just not let it bug me as much. Like yeah. there are times where my offers are shooting for the stars and I my asking price is a bit lower than what the other GM may be seeking but I think we've all done that once mm -hmm. or twice or a hundred times <laughs> um, but I just continue doing what I'm doing and if a deal happens then then that's great but if it doesn't I just move on and when they have guys that uh, are going to hit free agency then I just sort of hit them where it hurts <laughs> perfect Perfect. All right. Uh, so the since the Hamilton, sorry, since the Hamilton Steelhawks are an inherited team, uh, do you plan on rebranding or maybe moving the team at all? Uh, when I first joined and uh, Mark had got me set up with the uh, league, um, if I was to relocate the team, I probably would have done it um, after my first season, mm -hmm. but. I, I love the team name, uh, the colors, uh, the logo, the jerseys. It just, it just looks great. So 
my thought process is why mess with a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It sure does. And those do look like those are incredible jerseys. Uh, um, and, and props to, to props to Mike with all that work. And I know that we've seen that stuff on the fanatic lately um, with uh, the Jersey competition and everything. But uh, yeah, those uh, Hamilton Steelhawks colors and, and uh, that look of that Jersey is pretty top notch. Um, strategy for the upcoming, um, upcoming season. What do you think? So this upcoming season is going to be different than others only because we have a couple things to look ahead to. Um, mm -hmm. So we've got that expansion draft uh, next off season. And then we also have that summit draft, which is to be determined when and where, but my strategy pretty much is to plan for the expansion draft. I know that's a year away, but I want to make sure whoever I have exposed benefits me and is a disaster for the new GM, whoever that <laughs> may end up being. Um, I may end up helping out a few GMs who need like financial help cash wise with their funds, mm -hmm. but obviously you need to give to get. So it's not like I'm just going to give away cash just for the sake of doing it. Um, I'm also not a guy that's going to buy a team, even if it does seem to work. Uh, shout out to Eric. Um, <laughs> uh, my plan's pretty much going to be like the NHL Colorado Avalanche. So you miss the playoffs for a few years in a row. You build the team through the draft. Um, you get these top-notch uh, superstars. And then you become a contender, and other GMs around the league become scared. Um, I was looking back and Don had left a comment on one of my articles that pretty much says it best. He says, the rest of the GMs need to be very weary of you. I think now that you're down, we need to put a foot on your neck and not let you get off and running. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Don, it's too late. I'm up and I'm starting to gain some speed. Yeah, you know, that's funny. Don said the same thing uh, about my golf game when we were when we were playing golf, and but uh, about the uh, about putting the foot down on my neck, and uh, he sure did that. He uh, uh, he took me down in the in the golf. But uh, yeah, absolutely. That your team is looking scary for the future for sure. Uh, favorite player in your system? Uh, my favorite player has got to be uh, Jason Robertson. Uh, mm -hmm. I ended up getting him in, in a trade uh, that sent Mike Hoffman away, but uh, I just, I love the way he plays and he's only going to get better, which is scary. He's, he's playing with Joe Pavelski and Rupe Hintz. And he's just, every time I, I see him play, he's, it's like the puck is tied to a stick or something. Yeah. Absolutely. Great player. And uh, up for uh, rookie of the year in that other league this year. So uh, really nice find there by you. Excellent. Um, all right. What's your favorite trade that you've made? And what's one that you'd like back? Uh, my favorite trade was uh, one that I actually did this season. Uh, mm -hmm. I ended up trading uh, Jake DeBrusque and uh, my fourth round pick in the 22 uh, draft to Sean and the St. Louis Spartans. And in exchange, I got the Riders first round pick this year, as well as St. Louis's fourth in uh, the 22 draft. Now, uh, usually I wouldn't trade a guy like DeBrusque, but uh, 
he wasn't playing well this year in the other league, uh, falling down the lineup. Uh, he was a healthy scratch uh, here and there. And I felt like he's going to take a hit re-rate, uh, re-weight-wise. Uh, my mm-hmm. tongue is twisted. Uh, <laughs> so getting a first for him, I, I knew I had to grab it. Um, but if DeBrusque ends up regaining his form, and let's say next season he pots 20 or 30 goals, then I'm probably going to end up eating crow. <laughs> All right. Well, we love those first round picks, don't we? Those are those are fantastic. Um, all right. Any any that you'd like uh, that you'd like back? I can think of a few for myself. How about yourself? Uh, well, one that I was looking at was um, it's sort of sort of a minor trade, but one that I sort of regret is I traded Yakov Trenin to uh, the Portland Buckaroos in exchange for a guy that I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Demetrius Kumontis. I think the Z is silent, but um, I feel like Trennan could end up being a, a useful bottom six guy, maybe as maybe as good as a third liner. Um, Kumontis was a fourth-round pick in 2018 by Calgary, but the jury's still out on him because he just finished his third season at uh, Arizona State University. So I think he's returning for one more year. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his stats really aren't worth mentioning. It's really nothing. Um, really nothing to write home about. Uh, that's probably one that I would like back. Um, a close second would be, I traded Marcus Foligno to Doug and the Brandon Wheat Kings. And in exchange, I got Tyler Pitlick and two fourth round picks in this year's draft. Uh, Felino's got the same number of points last year, this year, in 20 less games. Oh, okay. So I know that he's probably going to end up being a 70 plus overall. Um, as for Pitlick, uh, he took a step back and did not produce anywhere close to the way Felino did. So that I think it was more of oh Pitlick's only making a million dollars. He's going to have two years left after this year. Felino's overpaid, but yeah, I'm really kicking myself. Hey, we, uh, I'm kicking myself on a lot my on a lot of trades that I've made too. Um, and you know we have to take the good with the bad, right? Um, and there's and there's definitely lots of good in in uh, your deals there. So uh, any player that you've always had your eye on but you've never been able to acquire. Uh, funny you ask, because I was been hounding Don the last, I'd say, week or two, especially about uh, Andrew Mangiapane. Oh, yeah. Breadman. Oh, man. It just <laughs> He stands out in Flames games. Uh, the tournament in Latvia, he was yeah. instrumental in Canada winning gold. MVP. And I, I, I've pretty much accepted the fact that Unless uh, I trade a first-round pick for him, plus I'm sure an extra piece or two, I probably won't be getting him. Uh, Don is probably going to hold on to him. Uh, on his team, Mangiapane is a fourth liner. On my mm-hmm. team, he'd be a first liner. Uh, <laughs> he is a top six guy in the in the NHL. Uh, in the SICHL, he's on a super cheap contract. He's making one and a half million. Uh, for four years, it'll be three years after this year, which is solid value for a guy that's probably going to be anywhere from a 
68 to a 70 overall player uh, in another year or two. That's a great that's a great player choice. Absolutely. Uh, he's going to be tough to wrestle away from Don, but uh, keep at it. I, I like uh, I like who you're looking at there. That's awesome. OK, uh, we've only been in the league for two years, but uh, favorite draft pick so far. Uh, favorite draft pick, I was going to say um, Romanov only mm-hmm. because I like the way he's been playing and I got him in a trade and he was the main guy, but I technically never drafted him. So okay. um, I went with uh, Drysdale and uh, Sanderson. Um, yeah. Drysdale, nice <laughs> Drysdale got to play uh, a fair amount of games this year uh, for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, he's got a lot of offensive ability. Uh, he's only 19. He's he's only going to get better. He's on a young Anaheim uh, roster that's going to go through growing pains. Um, and as for Jake Sanderson, uh, Ottawa Senator draft pick, um, he's got, I feel he's a top pair D-man. At worst, he's a number three. Um, but they still, uh, they solidify my D prospects and the way that they play their, their future is bright and the sky's the limit for them. Absolutely. And I, once again, looking at this, uh, this group, I mean, uh, what, what a top pair that will be in the future, but who knows, maybe, uh, one of those other guys like Cam York, uh, Romanov, as you already mentioned, maybe, uh, one of those guys might, uh, might actually be in that top pair because, uh, there's some. Pretty great talent there. You never Calfoot could be in that top group too. You never know. But uh, what a what an amazing defense core moving forward. Uh, Chris, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the pod, uh, the podcast. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you moving forward. And those, and especially at the um, at the draft lottery that'll be coming up uh, pretty soon. And uh, and for this uh, off season. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck to you two in the off season, and uh, shout out to both Eric and Jeff. Uh, best of luck in the finals. Uh, may the best team win, but I think we all know who we want to see win. <laughs> all right, that's a that's a great uh, yeah a great uh, compliment to both teams, and uh, and yeah we're looking for an amazing series there, and both uh, GMs are well deserving to be there. Uh, thanks again, Chris, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Ian. Okay, bye bye. Thanks, Chris. Real interesting stuff there. I know everybody will be really excited to hear all about the Hamilton Steelhawks. All right. Next, we're going to have Gary Graves on overtime to talk about the SICHL finals between the Nova Scotia Schooners and the Havana Revolution. In overtime! We have got two incredible teams facing off against each other this time. We have the Nova Scotia Schooners facing off against the Havana Revolution. And uh, that's Eric Schneider, GM of the Nova Scotia Schooners, and, of course, Jeff Prozeller, uh, GM of the Havana Revolution. Uh, we have a bit of capitalism versus communism going on, the, the Canada versus the world, good versus evil, if you'll even uh, go that far. <laughs> so, Who's the evil one, though? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's the question, right? All right. 
Uh, well, let's get right started. Why don't uh, you, because you're part of the World Conference, why don't you break down the Havana Revolution? I will. I'm and actually looking forward to it. Um, actually, just before we start, and I, I want you to kind of close your eyes, and, and I, I would encourage everybody listening to this podcast, close your eyes and, and just imagine this. You have a team in real life that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on it. Man, that's got to be a cup champion, a team right there, right? Oh, wait, now there is a team like that. Uh, sorry. Okay. Um, don't want to hit any sore spots. Uh, looking at uh, Jeff's team, and I and I looked up actually, I took a good look at both teams to to help me prep for for tonight, and um, started to look at uh, some of the lines he used in his in his last series in his last games. Uh, he's got an, an incredible. Well, to start with his first line uh, of Drysdale, McDavid, and Lindholm, um, I, I think any GM in this league would love to have that line. Um, any any GM would love to have that line. Uh, incredible line, uh, McDavid. And you look at the, the the way the scouts rated these players this year. You know, McDavid with a, a 99 passing, 95 scoring. Drysdale, 99 passing, 96 scoring. Uh, and Lindholm is a, is a complimentary player on that line with an 88 scoring. Like you know, that's a, an incredible first line. And and obviously it, the, it showed with with the playoff in the playoffs so far. You have McDavid leading, um, you know, all scores with 26 points, mm-hmm. and, and drives it over 23 points. So we we know that that line is going to be a scary line. So um, let's just start to look at some other lines on that uh, on that team. Uh, you got Tyler Sagan centering uh, the next line. Uh, with Silverberg and uh, and Huberto, uh, another another player, fantastic player in Huberto with a 99 passing. So three players with 99 passing on that <laughs> on that on that team. Um, uh, it, it's a it's a little um, uh, less scary than the first line, obviously, but still a, a line that could be uh, an effective line, right? So, and and on his third line, he goes with um, uh, you know Chris Tierney centering uh, Rackle and, and Charlie Coyle. Uh, which is, is also a pretty decent line. Uh, and and he, he seems to be doubling up on the mcdavid dry um duo, which uh, which is actually not, that makes it makes this fourth line even scarier, right? So um, all in all, I, I think he's got you know he's got four uh, punch um, and 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 as I, I would think a a scary team to to play against. and and I think that's why he, you know, he finished a second best in the world, and, and, and that's why he's here where he's at um, right now in, in the finals, right? So uh, incredible um, depth on, on, on the forward side, and, and Bailey's kind of a complimentary player as well. Um, in terms of his defense, uh, I thought, again, some of the moves he made in the offseason, um, it, it's really why he's here right now. In Ryan Suter and, and Chris Tanev, uh, Tanev, you know uh, the scouts rated them with a ninety a ninety seven DF. Um, so the first first pairing with with Burns, so we get Brett Burns and Chris Tanev. That's a pretty good, um, a pretty a pretty good first pairing. Uh, D. Um, he's got Suter. Uh, well, in his last game, he played Suter and Chikrin together. Um, not probably the combo I'd use, but. He also has Muzzin, uh, which he didn't use in the last game, um, uh, on his team as well. So he's uh, he's got some uh, really good uh, D depth, uh, and, and then he's got McNabb on on Braden McNabb on the, the the third pairing, and he's got a 91 DF. So his his overall 
um, and Stillman as well with an 8090F. So he's got uh, a solid decor in my mind to, to complement the forwards. Um, and, and you throw Suter on that first power play unit uh, with the 78 passing. Um, I think that's incredible as well. So, uh, again, a very solid uh, team. And Burns as well on, on the second power play unit. So he's he's got his players uh, nicely spread out on on uh, on the PP. And 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 in terms, of, I actually looked at the regular season stats to to see kind of how he how he fared on the PK and the and the power play. And uh, and although the stats don't really show uh, what what he's done in the playoffs, I think he was like third uh, power play in the in the regular season and fourth on on the on the penalty kill. And you could see why. Uh, based on on the team he's put together, <clears throat> and uh, in net, I mean, who who wouldn't want uh, Connor Hellebuck, all right? So, um, solid goaltending there. Um, I I think he he deserves to be in the finals with with that kind of team, uh, and obviously he he had a um, a tough road to go to 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 go through, right, to get to the finals. I mean. I uh, to be honest, I thought he was going to lose to uh, the Shamrocks. I thought the Shamrocks would upset him. Uh, he proved me wrong, and and then I knew that the series against the Vegas would be tough, and and he did outlast uh, Dustin's team. So uh, incredible run, and and he's in the finals now. And I don't know what, what your thoughts are on this team, but uh, I think it's a pretty deep team. Absolutely, uh, they have. They have tons of firepower, like you said, and and just the setup, guys, is just incredible there with the, all those 99 passings uh, between McDavid, Drysaddle, and Huberdeau. I can see why he puts uh, then uh, Huberdeau on the second line just to give some some other guys some of that uh, some of that uh, uh, puck spreading skills. Um, I'm wondering if he comes out in game one with a fourth line that might have Milan Lucic. Josh, Josh Anderson, and uh, you could throw Kiefer Sherwood maybe on that third line or fourth line as well, just just for game one, just to go with like full physical and maybe do some damage right off the bat. He's got like humongous checking from some of those guys, and of course, great size that could do a lot of damage in Lucic and and Anderson. So I'm wondering if you might uh, might pull something like that in game one and. And maybe stir the pot a bit and get this uh, get the blood going in the series. Uh, his I, his goaltending is fantastic. Hellebuck, um, just just an incredible goalie, and uh, and just great depth everywhere. The I like how he spreads that defense around. The he's got lots of uh, lots of offensive skill coming in from the back end, and no slouches defensively either. So uh, he's he's looking really good, really good, and you know, yeah. That uh, that last series against uh, Dustin, what a great series that one was! Oh, and and I do agree. I think he's going to mix up his lines. I don't I don't think he's he's going to be predictable for sure. And and I think you have to, I think you have to mix it up, right? Um, you you can't you got you can't uh, you can't let your opponent kind of uh, guess what you're going to do uh, from from. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, if if he has a set of lines that 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 rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll go with it, and uh, and and who knows what what will happen in the in the finals. But right now, he's been rolling all the way through uh, to the end. So one, if I'm gonna nitpick at all, it's uh, his defensive rating for his forwards. Because I I mean, after I looked at Nova Scotia's <laughs> forwards and I saw the defensive rating of those guys, 
I've, I was absolutely flabbergasted, first of all. But, um, I mean, it's nothing you can't, you can't spit at these guys. That's for sure. You got Lindholm, a 77 defense, and Silverberg, a 75, uh, 86 for Chris Tierney. But um, the PK, when your second, second top-rated defensive forward is a uh, uh, 77, might give you some problems against a, a team like uh, the, with the fire, firepower of Nova Scotia. But again, that's the forwards. And really, who like who's to say what the defensive rating of forwards actually does, uh, what the sim is doing with that. So uh, it'll be Tierney, interesting to see Tierney. for sure. But Chris Pardon? Tierney, though, I mean, Chris Tierney's got a an 86 rating, right? So, yeah. um, but you're right. I, that's one thing I did notice that Eric had o- over Jeff was that that good solid. Well, actually, a, a good solid fourth checking line. And uh, but uh, will that hurt him? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's absolutely. Who knows? Uh, all right. So I'm gonna move on and uh, talk a little bit about Nova Scotia, as that is the team that just supplanted me or took me out of the uh, out of the playoffs. Um, I had no doubts <laughs> that Nova Scotia was going to take me out. I had no doubts that Nova Scotia would move through uh, from the Canadian Conference to the SICHL Finals. This is just a juggernaut. All right, so we start up uh, up front with uh, a late ad this year in Mika Zabanajad. Not a bad, not a bad first line center. Ninety passing, ninety nine scoring, eighty three defense. To go with a 90 passing and a 99 scoring. Uh, overall, he's an 83. Just an incredible player to put on that top line. Uh, he has a couple other centers on this team that aren't too bad either. Here's his top four centers that could play center. Uh, I don't think he will be playing all four at center. In fact, um, I'm positive that one of these guys will be playing on the wing. But Mika Zabanajad, Jonathan Taves, John Tavares, and... <laughs> And Elias Peterson. So I'm uh, assuming that Elias Peterson is going to go to the wing, especially with his face-off not being great. You know, it's funny that one of his best face-off men in the, on the team is Gabriel Landeskog, who's got a 90 face-off, even though that doesn't make the top four. Um, <laughs> there's a left winger there with a with a better face-off than uh, almost all but one of my guys. Uh, so, anyways, he he uh, flanks Zabana. He could flank Zabanajan with uh, Kucherov on the right side and Landeskog on the left side. I think he's actually going to play Jonathan Taves maybe on that top line, but uh, he's got Zabanajan to go. Uh, next line, you could have Jonathan Taves with with uh, Hurdle uh, on the left side and Peterson on the right. And once again, uh, Hurdle could be the center for that line. He's got a ninety-six faceoff. Just incredible. And then you go with the next line. I'm thinking Tavares centering uh, Pearson and Coleman. Uh, Coleman really uh, helping out that line and defensively as well with an 86 defense. And here's the here's the fourth line I will go with, I would go with. He's got he's got some others, but I'm going Michael Backlund, Luke Glendening, and Radic Paxa. You're putting on a 95 defense in Glendening and an 83 defense in Paxa. Michael Backlund's the worst defensive player on that line, according to the SICHL. Now, I, I don't know if I'd if I'd go that far, but uh, but wow, what a fourth line, what a what a checking line to shut another team down that you can put out there. And so sitting on the bench, he's got Cheadle, Cousins, Arvidsson, just a stacked group up front. 
Let's move to the back end now. In the back end, he has John Carlson and Roman Yossi on the top unit. Not a bad two. But I'm wondering if he's going going to go with Niskanen or Clefbaum there, or maybe even Ron Hainsey, probably Niskanen or Clefbaum with one of Carlson or Yossi. As uh, the defensive rating for Carlson and Yossi are actually only 78 and 81. So probably Niskanen will probably be fitting in there or maybe even Clefbaum. Uh, and then you just split up the Carlson or Yossi and you put them with the other guy. So who, your top four are looking pretty good. And then on that third pairing, again, great defense in Ron Hazy and Jason Demers. So uh, so this team is ready to move forward. And if somebody goes down, he's got Nathan uh, Boyu, who has an 83 defense and not terrible uh, passing and scoring either. And then we get to net. And there's this is just... This is just ridiculous. You got Tuka Rask as an 85. His backup is James Reimer, who's a 76. And the third string is better than most teams' uh, most teams' second string and some teams' first string in Jonathan Quick at a 73. So this team, I knew, I knew they would uh, roll over me as they did, and now they face, I think, the next, I think, the next toughest team in the entire league, and and it's pretty close between them. So I'm really looking forward to this final. Thoughts on the Schooners? Well, when when I started doing my show prep, uh, I started obviously with Havana uh, and looking at their team. And then when I flipped over to the Schooners team, I'm like, wow, this team is freaking nuts. Um, and, I, and I didn't even realize that Jonathan Taze played on this team. Um, <laughs> and then when I saw that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, where does he get all these players? Well, he had Taze since 2016. <laughs> so that's how much I pay attention to Eric's team. But holy cow, you're right. The center is so deep. And, and the funny thing is, I looked at his last game. I think that he played against you. And I think he had Zabanajat on the third line. That's sick. Um, yeah. And and I'm thinking, what? Like, and, and, and you look at lines one through three alone, they're scary. And uh, and, and I, I don't want to worry, Jeff. Um but man, this is a really, really incredibly deep team. Uh, I and I blame Don for making it even stronger. Um, but anyway, and I and I know that part of this team, uh, if they do go on to win, um, they can thank me for Pearson and Backlund. And if Jeff wins, he can thank me for I believe Coyle at least and Bailey and Silverberg. Um, and maybe Tierney. I can't remember if I had Tierney. Um, seems like I had half the players in the league at one point. But yeah, incredible team. And, and <laughs> Rask. And Rask. I mean, that that was a smart move on his part by by spending fifty million dollars. It worked. Oh, yeah. and, and you're right. He rolled through the playoffs. Um, and Jeff rolled through the playoffs. Um, I think we're in for um, a, a battle of the titans. Um, and I'm looking forward to the finals as well. And and. Will it go six? Will it go seven? Uh, will it go four? Uh, I don't. I don't see it going four. Um, I'll give you my prediction in a minute. But and, and like I say, it's incredibly, incredibly deep team. And even if if you went with the lines he went with against you, and you have a guy like Cheadle, that's uh, that I I'm not sure if he was scratched or if he was uh, if he was playing or not. But that's another guy with an 80 uh, scoring uh, rating based on sickle scouts. So, wow. <laughs> So Jeff's going to have his hands full. Can Jeff beat him? I think so. Um, but uh, uh, what, like, what are your thoughts? Uh, do you, you yeah. 
Do you have a, a prediction? Are you? I, are you I do have a prediction. To lay some money I think down? it goes seven games, and I have Nova Scotia taking it because of home ice. That's it. Home ice is, is going to decide this series. Their both teams are so good. Um, yeah, this Nova Scotia team, their fourth best defensive forward is an eighty-three defense. Their fourth best defensive forward. So their their penalty kill is no problem at all, right? They're throwing out <laughs> and then 95, one of the guys that's a 95 if he goes with this lineup. Um it's just incredible. And if somebody happens to go down, no problem. It'll just fit in a 74 or something that on like that on defense or for uh defense up front on the PK anyways. Not a problem. Uh yeah, I have I have this series going uh going the full way and just uh home ice advantage, maybe an overtime of uh of game seven. Um they, you know, the season series, they played twice. They were one and one. They uh, they had the same amount of goals um, through the season. Top scores separated by four points. Uh, most assists separated by one. Most goals separated by three. Uh, wins for goalies separated by two. It's, it's just, you go on and on. These are two absolutely incredible teams. You know, Nova, Sc- Nova Scotia actually had one scare in this playoffs, and that was versus Brandon. Yes. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that Brandon would be the one to do it? Well, a lot of people because uh, because Brandon um, can really really play this game. They they know this him. So hats off uh, hats off to Brandon. Uh, that was an incredible series. There were a couple people in the league that might have been cheering for the Wheat Kings in that one. Who knows? Um, uh, go check the yeah, go check the the predictions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I thought if anybody could upset Eric, it was Doug, and I had yeah. him. I had Doug in seven, and did Eric, Eric one in seven? Didn't he or six? It was seven. It was yeah. seven. Uh, Brandon, I think, had it three games to two, um, okay. and uh, Eric pulled off the last two there. Oh, but I yeah, I was I was being facetious in that Doug really knows <laughs> this game, right? That, like yeah. it is in, like he really knows it so well. Um, he's yeah, he's the one guy that uh, that I don't. Eric did not want to play, right? Of, of everybody uh, out there in the Canadian Conference, he did not want to face off against Brandon, and there he was in the second round. Um, yeah, so, I, I, anyways, I for for sure, I had that Smartitude Cup um, <laughs> prediction right, but I was close. Yeah. So, two amazing teams going into it. How about yourself? So, I have uh, overtime of Game Seven. On home ice, Nova Scotia repeating. How about yourself? Again, when I look at Nova Scotia's team, it looks like a very carefully crafted work of art. And and I hope Jeff doesn't uh, get scared by listening to the podcast ahead of the series. Um, and it's not to, to, to put a scare in Jeff. I mean, I think Eric has got a juggernaut here. And like I say, it was carefully put together and, and built. And, and even the moves he made in, in, in the off and in season i think that's why he's where he's at and and looking like he's going to repeat but I, you know i can't go and and say that a canadian conference team is going to win here it's <laughs> against it's against all my principles so i am going to say havana but they're going to do it in six and that's a bold bold prediction and then that's what i've already submitted so havana and six i, I got my guy jeff I'm, I'm behind you. Um, uh, I like Eric 
to some degree, but I don't want Eric to repeat um, because the Canadian conference, you know, well, there's that rivalry and, and, and I want to be able to post memes over the, the next two or three months of how good the world conference is. So uh, good luck, <laughs> but, but good luck to both. And, and I'm looking forward to the series and uh, we'll see where it goes. Right. I think, I think a tiny bit of edge to, uh, to Havana for the, uh, for the defensive, uh, uh, defensive side, on for the defense, uh, definitely an edge for defensive side for force for Nova Scotia yeah. goaltending. I really, uh, you know, I mean, it, Rask is rated higher by by a little bit, but I don't think that there's much difference in the goalies at all. Um, and offensively, pff, flip a coin. I think you know, like both teams are just absolutely powerhouses. Um, that's why I'm that's why I'm going with my prediction of seven. I. I'm not being very bold there at all <laughs> over time of game seven, but um, yeah, this, it, the, they were really close in the series. So in the season series, so yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to a great series, both great guys. I'm going to actually feel very bad for whoever doesn't take it. Um, but um, I'm looking forward to some, to, uh, to wearing out the F5 key every night of this series. Myself. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And you're, and you're right Two Pretty good. Uh, pretty good guys. I mean, yeah. we got a, a great league and, and it's, it's just so, so much fun to, to rib each other. And, and I'm looking forward to this series and let's uh, may the, the better team win, but it, it's going to be a good series. So could we, you know what, is it, is it wrong to hope for a four game series? So there's no extra cash going to either team. Mm, maybe <laughs> well if, if nova scotia doesn't get as much money maybe they'll sell me some picks i don't know um but uh i, I think this is going to go longer than four i think so too but who I, knows I, I really think so absolutely but who, but who knows right it's, it's the sim so yep. good luck to both good luck to both absolutely all right Gary, thank you so much for coming on and uh, and uh, and giving your breakdown of the Havana Revolution and of the Nova Scotia Schooners. Um, looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Yep. Take care, Ian. You too. Thanks. Good night. Bye. Bye-bye. That'll bring us to the end of this podcast. I once again want to thank Gary Graves, GM of the Boston Colonials, and Chris Fekete, GM of the Hamilton Steel Hawks. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, just DM me on Twitter at SACHL Rockies, and I hope to talk to you soon. If you have any ideas for the podcast, you can also DM me. I'm always loving to hear any uh, suggestions for the show. I'll talk to everybody soon. Uh, Enjoy the SICHL finals.